track at the wall. We are tied. Look at this. He's landed for I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Oh, drop with a big leg. Over for the cover. He got it. Unbelievable. He got it! The starter! Mike Tyson in! Austin is the champion! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Now the 2-2. Two -two. Well hit down the left field line. Way back and Touch the ball, Drew! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life! Connection in podcast network listeners, welcome back to WWE War Wrestling Above Replacement. I am JT, and joining me on this project is my buddy Marcus. Marcus, how are you? Uh, I'm doing great. I've got a belly full of uh, Valentine's Day hearts. You know, there's little gimmicks that come in the box, and uh, skill gummy bears, and chocolates, and all sorts of uh, sugary sweets as uh, we forge onto our next season. Yeah, this is a big night for us. We're starting season three here on episode nine of the show. So far, we've done 94-95. We've done 11-12. And then this is a pretty radical jump here as we're going to head all the way back uh, almost 10 years earlier than the season we just did and talk 1999-2000. And, you know, wanted to kind of mix it up a little bit and go very different from the type of season we just covered, which had some moments, but really was definitely more in-ring heavy for us. Uh, but this is going to be a very interesting, interesting one to break down, Marcus, for us, because when you think back to 99, I, I think historically folks seem to not think well of it, like holding up. Right? Like in the moment, it was awesome and exciting and blah, blah, blah. But I think a lot of folks that look back at it, you think uh, it, it doesn't hold up the crash TV, the attitude era, like, you know, it's outdated. And I, I get that feeling maybe if, like, TV was involved. But I'm really curious with the pay-per-views when it's just kind of boiled down to these quick hits, like, how much it's going to stand out. Because when you look at the system we've built, it's very high on moments, storylines, atmosphere, commentary, all-time matches. Like, those are things that are in this season in spades. 
Yeah, and I'm also curious to see how does 99 hold up because I know it has reputation, at least the roster does for 99, as being a little rough, uh, not the best mm-hmm. in the ring. So I'm curious to see if that is, you know, just a thought process or uh, an assessment that like just gains like internet steam over time because as we go on in the season, uh, we are going to see some reinforcements come in uh, from WCW wrestling. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. And business is going to pick up there. But, yeah, we are really heavy on characters and the superstars. I mean, talking about top guys, we've got <laughs> we've got some guys at the height of their powers here uh, or entering their prime with like Rock and Stone Cold. And we're going to get to see the uh, evolution of Triple H this season. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Undertaker That's a big through line for us, the Triple H right. stuff for sure. Yeah. Uh, big show. I, Kurt Angle is going to be later this season. We've got a lot of players this season um, that really step up their game and carry the season um, and just bring that rabid excitement uh, mm-hmm. that we're going to see throughout the season. But we've got uh, a, ga- a great contrast throughout the seasons. You mentioned our first season, we did 94, 95, which was really the beginning of the new generation era. We had 2011 going into 12. Very heavy on on work rate, and we saw some all-time great matches and series. Uh, So now we'll see what really stands out with 99 and 2000. Um, And I'm looking forward to uh, going through this with you. The match one's going to be interesting, for sure, um, because on a normal kind of review or metric base, like, and, you know, you always think back, like, the in-ring wrestling just wasn't there. Because, like I said, the Crash TV on TV matches were two to three minutes consistently. On pay-per-view, they do get a little bit more time. So let's see how that plays out. And let's see if our system really does provide a more, you know, equitable breakdown when you factor mm. in everything that goes into a pay-per-view outing beyond just wrestling matches. So I think that'll be – this will be a real good stress test of our system to see if, like – you know, 99 gets rewarded for all these moments or does it get punished because the in-ring doesn't hold up to like, say something like 11, 12. So uh, before we get started, two little notes about the project going forward. We have decided as, you know, in full, in entirety, that we are really blowing this out. Like we are going beyond just your standard uh, pay-per-view catalog. We knew we wanted to really go all in and cover as much as possible and make this as holistic as possible, leave every stone unturned. So as part of that, and as you'll see here at 99 out of the gate, we're going to be covering the UK pay-per-views in future years. We'll be covering network specials that were considered like premium shows Mm -hmm. and pay-per-views. So we're really going to go, you know, beyond the, um, beyond the scope of what's generally considered the pay-per-view. And I think it's cool because some of the stuff I haven't seen, like I haven't really seen a lot of those, you know, UK shows and other stuff. And at least they've never been looked at probably with this critical of an eye either to break it down. And I think it'll just give a better snapshot of these entire years. Yeah, definitely. Especially as we go into the network era um, where they really start to figure out what is the purpose of the network. They can start doing their own pay-per-view slash premium live events. uh, But are they just kind of one match attractions? Are they attractions as a full show? Um, a lot of like aspects in play there. And I'm looking forward to doing that because like, does it hurt? Does it help? Does a show like was it, uh, Smackville, like 
whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, the, whatever the Memphis <laughs> show was or whatever. Like, uh, does that help Nashville, or hurt? Nashville, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that that SmackDown show that had like the yeah. you know. I know uh, it's in Nashville. Then um, you said Smackville and Memphis. Smackville and Nashville. Oh, Smackville and Nashville. Thank you. Uh, basically the same. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but like, uh, does a show like that, you know, help or hurt overall? Um, some of these UK pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. To us, you know, like we heard about maybe you know something happened on the UK pay-per-view here in the states, but like we didn't really get a chance to see it until you know much later if we got a, our hands on a VHS copy, or much much later with the network era like kicking off. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a project, you know, to completion, I guess you could say. Agreed. And, you know, we got nothing but time here, so we figured why not do it and go all in and see a lot of the stuff we haven't seen and see if it enhances the seasons as well. Why not? And that said, while we are going to go all in and, and do a ton of these different shows, we did decide up front after some debate and some consultation too with others, um, you know, like Aaron and Chad and others that, that helped spearhead the network and just trying to think things through. We decided against including Over the Edge 99. I think the way we do this podcast where we really break down the minutia, the atmosphere, the moments, like it just felt completely unrealistic and unfair, like to break down atmosphere, moments, performance. Like, like it's such a tough night. It's a night that should not have occurred uh, at all <laughs> the way it did for sure. And even beyond like no way should, should that have happened? Like, it, it just feels like it's not a show that we want to um, do in this format. Like I know when place to be podcast, Scott, and I covered it, but that, that shows more of a historical walk through time. Right. Um, and, and trying to cover what happened on the path of the of WWE pay-per-views and et cetera. Whereas this show is really meant more of an analytical ranking and stack rank. It just, it feels like it's such an anomaly that sticks out that it's not something um, that we felt in this format we should be really talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's just no way uh, that you could possibly, I think, fairly, um, you know, hold any kind of ranking to that show uh given what happened um you know it's bad enough that the performers had to carry on with the show and mm-hmm. and you know the show must go on like nothing happened but um yeah there's just no way under these circumstances and you know as much fun as we do have with this and it's you know kind of serious as we do take it with all the the pre-planning and uh the effort that goes into it um this is just not the proper medium uh to kind of look at a show that way i think so um, if you do want to hear other breakdowns of that show, there are plenty out here, uh, you know, over at the place to be, um, or I'm sure there's, there's plenty of other places to go for that. For sure. For sure. And, and I think within the format, like I said, just, just wasn't a fit. So, uh, everything else though is on the table for sure, as we'll get to later tonight. So why don't we dive in, Marcus? Let's start with backlash 1999 from the Providence Civic Center in Providence, Rhode Island, pre-Dunkin' Donuts Center. April 25th, 1999, Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler, of course, will be our navigators throughout this whole season on commentary, and they're here in the house. Uh, I actually did not attend this show. I think it's one of the few Providence pay-per-views, uh, maybe the only one I haven't attended. Um, I was in at school in Worcester. This would have been my freshman year. I didn't have a car. Uh, and then I would have class Monday. So it would have been like a lot if I would have had a car or like in the later years where I didn't care as much. I probably would have driven down and back that night. But this is only about an hour ride. But at the time, it seemed uh, insurmountable to pull off. So I did not make the trek down uh, back home to the Civic Center. So this was not one I saw live. Now, I'm somewhat familiar with uh, New England 
geography, but mm-hmm. roughly how far of a drive is that? Yeah, I, I'd say about an hour. Like from Providence to Worcester is probably even shorter. Like that's more from like my house, and so I'd say forty-five to fifty, probably ish. Okay. So from the dunk to was to where I was in college. Um, so, not too bad. And I was going to ask you that anyway, so I'm I'm glad you uh, let off with that. Yep. All right. So here we are on the show. Uh, you know, normally we talk pre-show matches over the last season or dark matches two seasons ago. But Marcus, tonight we kick off with Sunday Night Heat. Uh, these matches we will not be including in the recaps uh, at all, but we will at least uh, mention them off the top before we break down the card. Uh, yeah, so uh, Sunday Night Heat, we've got Nicole Bass and Val Venus defeating D'Lo Brown and Ivory. We have Draz and Prince Albert defeating the team of Too Much. <laughs> uh, Brian Christopher and Scott Taylor. Kane defeats the Big Boss Man with Test. Viscera defeats Test with the Big Boss Man. Okay. <clears throat> and that, of course, is uh, still ripe in the corporation days here. Uh, maybe, I'm mm-hmm. uh, going say ripe. We're kind of trickling toward the end um we'll we'll see a little revamp of it but test will not be long long for the crew as well so we'll talk about all that as we move forward but uh why don't we dive into the card itself yeah kicking off the show we have six-man tag team match as bradshaw farouk and midian uh the ministry of darkness is going to defeat edge christian and gangrel the brood um i went two with this match uh yeah it was a pretty standard open i went two and a half um you know not a ton happening it's it's actually an interesting way to me to open the show because neither team was really face i mean the brood i guess kind of de facto but and i know that tends to be a trope throughout this season like the face heel stuff really is this might be the Mm -hmm. year 99 into 2000 maybe the biggest year they've ever had where they just did not give a shit about um face or heel lines like it's just all over the place throughout this and they open here with two six-man squads that aren't super over as it is and neither are faces so it was a questionable choice i think to open the show that said like they do okay in the match uh i was actually uh not surprised that bradshaw got the win and the ministry won um and that the uh brood took the loss because they seem to be spinning their wheels a bit but the brood was working with the ministry obviously they were involved back at WrestleMania, hanging the big boss man and all that. <laughs> um, but they uh, obviously had their issues and they're now kind of on the outside. And that led to this match. So, uh, again, a questionable opener, two and a half, like, again, in ring was fine. But from a like get the crowd fired up perspective, it's a weird choice. Yeah. And I think like the fact that the the face heel dynamic for me was missing, like especially with Edge Christian and Gangrel just leaving the ministry right before this, like on that Raw um, I think that just made for a weird dynamic for me, and that's why I, I turned it a bit lower on this match. Mm-hmm. I do have to say, though, already, Bradshaw, really impressing. Like, I forgot, like, the quickness and agility and the explosion that, like, he could move with. Um, I'm I'm really interested in, like, following him as the season goes, because uh, he was definitely a heavy hitter. Like, not just, oh, I'm going to clothesline you really hard. Like, everything looked really good, and I can understand why they wanted to uh, kind of peg him for bigger things ahead. It's funny because I feel like that keeps popping up on these different podcasts. I'm doing like, you know, before we went on hiatus with Wrestling Warzone, like Chad kept kind of mentioning Justin Hawk Bradshaw in in '96, and I know Ruth is aggressive in '02. Like, 
he had his moments in that little solo run and mm-hmm. uh you know so I, I feel like it's been on a few shows now where it's it's kind of popped up and we've um you know i think maybe noel's bar like you know it's like different shows where he keeps popping like yeah you know what he's not a bad so i feel like it's overall i'm starting to feel like maybe he's been historically a little underrated i think everyone just got so sick of that push and just i think the backstage stuff really plays a role too in how he's viewed so mm-hmm. uh, but overall like i think in ring he was always pretty solid to good yeah um like surprising like you said underrated mm-hmm. um and you know probably definitely uh hurt <laughs> with the uh you know kind of the uh maybe kurt Schilling character clause kind of way on social media um with the bullying stuff and uh allegedly and uh the blue meanie incident um but well, we are gonna i think too okay. like once he's uh <clears throat> we'll say this for a later season but once he's on top and has to work like a main event style and long matches like i think his work rate does grind down a bit when he's not brawling um but i think in this setting he's much better than remembered. Like where it says he's quick five to six minute spurts. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Haas sprint. Um, mm-hmm. But again, like this is before they kind of grasp the concept and the execution of that. Right. Um, but our next match, ooh, I wish this was a sprint. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, 1527 is your official match time, but Oof. the whole segment went a lot longer than that for the hardcore title. Uh, Al Snow is going to defeat Hardcore Holly. I went 1.75. I liked it a bit better than you. I went 2.75. I was kind of a mark for this stuff, and I, I like this like overlooked early uh, Hardcore era because it kind of started at the end of 98 with the infamous one of Worcester with Road Dog and the snow going to the snow. Mm. Um, and then since then, it's kind of picked up and eventually it'll get crazy right they'll get to the crash holly era where it's all like you know the 24 7 stuff and then it gets to the really crazy hardcore shit with like rhino and raven and stuff uh but for now it's got this like little charm to it where it really exists in its own little universe and it really just consists of like four or five guys and that's it uh doing this stuff and it felt very um it just felt different and unique and yes it felt like they were just you know doing a sanitized ECW, but I hadn't been done on this stage yet. So I think it did stand out a bit. I didn't mind it. Yes, it's long, but they really beat the shit out of each other throughout a lot of this. Um, And snow winning the belt, like got a good little pop. So I think it's fine. I mean, this is where snows at his best, as far as like where he should be. It's when he Mm. goes beyond this is when we get into trouble. I think this was like perfectly suited for him. Plus, there was some sneaky Loki build in here with the job squad stuff at the end of 98 before they split up. Yeah, I think I get this match confused a lot with, uh, I guess, what we'll cover in a, another season when we do uh, 98 going into 99. Um, but the one from mm-hmm. St. Valentine's Day Massacre, yes. that's the one that I really like. And uh, I got faked out here. Uh, and yeah, we'll see Al Snow plenty more uh, as the season continues. Next up for the Intercontinental title, the Godfather is going to retain by defeating Goldust. Uh, I went 2.75 on this match. Yeah, this is where we reverse. Uh, not as big a fan of this one. I went one and a half. Um, I'm interested in where we land on Godfather throughout the season. <laughs> I will say this, uh, as we'll see, like, I'm curious because he's one of the guys that always pops in my mind when I think of like the work rate in 99 versus 2000, right? Because you think in 2000, you got all the the Radicals and Taz and Jericho and on and on and on, and, you know, Angle. In 99, you think of Holly, Snow, Godfather. You know, like, it's it's such a different 
grouping. But I'm curious to see like how over he is, if that holds up, and how that plays into some of the matches. This, I thought, though, was quite boring. It's the only time we're going to see Goldust on the season. He leaves right after this. I think he was um, hurt because he was supposed to come back when they start the GTV stuff. It's originally GDTV, if you recall. And then he ends up um, going to WCW instead later in the year where he'll finish up until they close before coming back in 02. But I think uh, here he was really on fumes. I mean, it's crazy to look at this match and think, like, this is the same Goldust run as the Goldust, Chad and I covered in Warzone, like the early days. Like, it's like he's still here doing pretty much the same thing. Yeah, I would not I would have not have thought that that was all one run still for Goldust at this time, um, especially since, like, he's dipped in and out with the uh, Born Again stuff and done the uh, Bizarro Goldust and just, just the different reinventions that he's tried. And I think I'm going to trend it a little bit higher on Godfather as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we'll see. He's going to turn into like a great opening act as the season goes. Yeah. Um, but Godfather reminds me, having just listened uh, back to Year That Was, the finale of 1987, um, Aaron makes a great point about how the wrestler is then, even as cartoony and as gimmicky mm-hmm. as everything is, the in ring looks believable. Like there is no right. mailed in punches, there's no errant kicks. Like everything is tight, and you believe that these men and women uh, are truly fighting. And I feel like Godfather is a throwback to that. And it's probably because he mm. came up in the old school a little bit, like at the late 80s, early 90s. Um, so I think he's got some of that in him at this time where some of the work is starting to loosen up a little bit. Like when the Godfather is in there, hose, lighten one up, everything else. But like once the bell rings, I feel like Godfather's a go. Um, but we'll see if that, uh, holds true as the season goes. Well, I think the interesting thing too, will be, um, does he, yeah, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> does, <laughs> oh, does he get train. anyone? I had it. I had it. I went blank. Um, does he have anyone like, do they put him with guys that he can work a better match with or is he hmm. stuck? with these forgettable matches because of who he's involved with, right? Like the Midians, the Viscera's, the Goldust who's on his way out, et cetera, et cetera. This is also a time of the IC title was a bit like potatoed around. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really bounced it to, I don't want to say like shaky workers, but it's definitely like a weird time for the belt. So like Shamrock won it in that tournament, which was great. Then he holds it for a bit, but then you get Val wins it at Valentine's Day Massacre. Road Dog wins it two weeks before WrestleMania on Raw. Uh, and then Goldust wins it. I'm sorry, Road Dog, I think, won it. it might have been even the week before. Goldust wins it on Raw. Then Godfather wins it on Raw and retains here. And then he'll eventually lose it on uh, Over the Edge, which is where Jarrett wins and kind of steadies the ship. But like this little run from Venus to Godfather with the potatoing and like the weird raw changes instead of pay-per-view changes, just the whole era is kind of bizarre with the IC title, but Goldust is clearly like checked out here to me. Like he, you could tell he was cooked. Yeah. He, he looks like somebody, uh, you know, just his, his time's up time to go, uh, turn, go learn a new hold and all that good stuff. And just speaking of Jeff Jarrett, he's going to be in the next matchup teaming with Owen Hart. And they're going to lose a number one contender match to the New Age Outlaws. Uh, I went 2.75 on this match, JT. 
This is a weird match because, uh, you know, it's random. And I went 275 as well. It's random when you look at the matchup. Like, it's not what you really think of. Jarrett and Owen were kind of on their last legs as a tag team. They had had a, a pretty successful run together since the winter. They had been champions. The Outlaws also kind of in a weird spot. Like, DX is kind of all fractured, and they're kind of hanging on to it. Um, and they'll be done soon, too. So, it's a, it's a random match to be, like, number one contenders. But not a shock that the Outlaws won. Jarrett Owen, for all intents and purposes, I mean, obviously, obviously they're done. Um, but over the next few weeks. But, uh, yeah, I think it was trending that way either way. As far as a tag team, I think maybe they'd still be affiliated going forward if, you know, if Owen hadn't passed away. But, um Either way, just uh, kind of a there match. Not much else to say about it. Yeah, I do like the little bit of stakes added to it with the uh, number one contendership mm-hmm. for the tag titles. Like, that was cool to see on pay-per-view. It at least sets up, uh, you know, Raw or whenever that title match was supposed to happen. Uh, our next match, we have a special Boiler Room Brawl as Mankind is going to defeat The Big Show. I went 2.75 on this matchup as well. Uh, I went in three, and I like this more than I remembered it. I, I This one, I f- feel like it's like the forgotten Boiler Room match. The Summer 796 one obviously sticks out the most, and there's other random ones along the way. But I only had to remember the glass spot in this one. I didn't remember the rest, and the rest was you know more vicious than uh, I think it's held up. And when you think of who's involved in it, uh, it's like you wouldn't think of it as being like that good of a brawl. But I really enjoyed it. You got the corporation getting involved fully. Uh, with the uh, white shirt on actually kind of stands out this one because the blood's like stained all over it and uh, ends up being a pretty cool finish with the pipes and all that stuff too. So, and this is a good payoff for mania because they had feuded into that to see who would be the referee for the main event at WrestleMania 15. Uh, He had a couple of big spots in here and I I feel like it's better than time uh, allows it. Yeah. um, It's a nice blow off. Like you said, and like the, just like iconic image of Foley with the, the white shirts, just stained and drenched in blood. It looks like something out of a, a, a horror movie. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't have anything else really to say about that matchup. Just uh, a nice little way to wrap mm-hmm. up their feud. Uh, speaking of feuds, we have a new one here as Triple H is going to defeat his former Degeneration X stablemate X-Pac. I went 2.5 on this match. I feel like this is a very uh, divisive match. Oh, in three, it's a long match, and we are starting officially the super heel Triple H push uh, here. So he had turned to Mania. He gets 20 minutes with X-Pac. I feel like for a long time, this one was well-regarded, and then, like, better stuff came along in the WWE, uh, WF, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. at the time, it's like, oh, wow, like this is really good. Uh, especially for this time period, because we just weren't getting that level out of the mid card at this point consistently. If you think of like 96, 97, 98, not a ton there, but it really is um, starts to pick up later. And I think in retrospect, this kind of comes down a couple notches. That said, it's still pretty good. I mean, given his 20 minutes, Triple H is, just, and we'll talk about this later, a couple of other categories. He's just in a real weird zone right here. Like he's a heel, but he's kind of generic and they're trying to kind of figure out what he's going to do, how he's going to look. He's wrestling a, a much more kind of blandish submission style throughout this. So it's interesting. I mean, it, it was the right choice. He had to go over given the push he's about to embark on, but uh, not quite maybe the hot blow off between two year long partners that you'd expect. No, not at all. And I think because like 
X-Pac is such a good natural babyface. Um, like I think the com- the closest comparison is he's like a late '90s version of Ricky Morton. Um, mm-hmm. He's just such a natural babyface and gets easy sympathy from the crowd. And for for me, if you are trying to establish yourself as you know a new heel top dog like Triple H is here, um, it felt like pulling teeth trying to get sympathy on X-Pac in this match and trying to get heat on Triple H. And it should not have been that hard. Um, Triple H feels and looks like a baby giraffe trying to get their legs under them. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Which also, again, like he had just worked heel, you know, most of the year before, uh, or, you know, I guess season before up until really mania. So, um, or I guess mania 14. So he worked like 98 a lot as a heel, um, and moves to baby phases. The summer goes on, but, um, still like, I, I don't this this just felt like he shouldn't have been struggling this bad to <laughs> look right. this uncomfortable in his heel skin um you know being as far as he is into his career al- already and having such a layup in, of a partner to work with like X-Pac I mean you're right he's been a heel more than he's been a face in his career so it's like it should have came more natural to him unless he's just really trying to vary up so he's not just going back to the blue blood Hunter Selmsy right Mm. trying to mix it up a little bit and just trying to find what that style is going to be. But yeah, X-Pac, uh, and he has a great 99. It's like, it's a bad year for X-Pac. So, uh, but even all that said, like we still went decent scoring. It's not like it's soft. Yeah. It's just with that much time and given the stakes of it, you would expect a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. Uh, another matchup that's going to get plenty of time, uh, almost 19 minutes. The Undertaker is going to defeat Ken Shamrock. And yes, this is that matchup. I went 0.5 on it, JT. Yeah, I liked it slightly better than you. I gave him a one for the good old college try. But this is a very weird match and another long one. So this card is very weirdly structured. Everything gets a pretty good chunk of time given Mm -hmm. the Attitude Era. Because there's really not much bullshit. Like, there's no real angles going on. Uh, till the end anyway there's maybe a couple of interviews and stuff but like we don't have any big angles going on so almost every match except for two every match except for two is at least 10 and a half minutes which is pretty meaty for this era like that's not something you would anticipate or think and this match goes almost 19 minutes and it's a unique match for sure they wrestle what they try to make, I guess, is like just a pure MMA style with Shamrock busting out his kind of, you know, repertoire from those days. And Undertaker, if you think what Undertaker becomes, this is like a proto version of him trying to do this hybrid of his wrestling and like shooting stuff. So we get a lot of cross arm breakers and mat work, and it's just an odd fit for this dead man devil character like this is peak evil undertaker like legit is supposed to be the devil and he's like wrestling like dan severn <laughs> like it's, it's just an odd you know it's an odd odd take it's like maybe do like, like a different character if you're gonna try this as taker like this taker is supposed to be like murdering guys not you know work and holds so yeah. it's an odd attempt but again i wanted to give them like a little credit for trying it because it's so unique and it's like, it is kind of hard hitting. It's just, it's just a weird match. Yeah. And Undertaker even does a promo, I think before this, and he's talking about like, you know, 
drinking the blood from Shamrock's throat or ripping his heart out or something, <laughs> something ridiculous and evil and speaking right. in tongues. And, uh, um, but like Shamrock at least says, uh, in his interview that he's going to try to break Undertaker's leg or, you know, he's going to try to break Undertaker's arm. Like mm-hmm. he is coming to grab a limb from the Undertaker and break it. So like from Shamrock's point of view, that style makes sense from the Undertaker's point of view, his MMA hybrid style does not make sense yet, but if this matchup happened 20 years later, like we're probably looking at like, oh yeah, that was a really awesome match because some of these counters that Shamrock has, they are decades ahead of their time. Mm-hmm. Um, so while this is a bad match, um, if you know if you're looking for like just cool spots or transitions, this is one to check out because they do a lot of cool stuff. It just overall feels disjointed given the storyline and build heading into the matchup. Yeah, Shamrock himself was just way ahead of his time. Like, I just, I just, you know, I've said it on every podcast I think I've ever talked about him, but I just wish he was someone that was, like, still consistently working in, like, the mid to late 2000s and think of some of the opponents he could have fought, him and Daniel Bryan or him and Punk or him and Mm. Angle and, you know, like, like all these guys he could have really cool, unique matches with Eddie, Benoit. You know, like, there's so many guys that came through that could have had some real cool matches with him. He's just, like, five to ten years too early uh but yeah this again I, a little love for trying it's just a tough stretch to go from that long xbox triple h match to this long match to, to get to the main event it was a tough call yeah um but that leads us to our main event of the night for the wwf championship stone cold steve austin is going to retain by defeating Dwayne the rock johnson i went 4.25 on this Yep, same for me. A match that was better than I remembered it. Like, you know, I always kind of put it maybe a notch below Mania, and obviously we're not doing Mania 15 in the season, so we'll eventually see. But I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of the classic spots, Rock on the grabbing the camera, doing the commentary, <clears throat> fighting up and down the aisle. You got the belts involved, Shane's out. They like there's so much going on, and it's uh, it's just such a really really good match. The crowd is in a frenzy jr and king are on it and this is the stuff that we'll see will you know i think carry a lot of the season is this level of chaos and you really get it here and it's kind of almost the only true like heel rock we're gonna see in this season which is interesting yeah they're not gonna waste any time uh you know turning him into like a ace baby face of the company while at the same time still moving forward with stone cold steve austin um mm-hmm. but this was like if I had to point to like what is you know the definition of like Attitude Era brawl, it's got to be this match. But it also blends in like really good in ring work too, because like once they get in the ring after all the brawling, um, the work is really good. Like the build to to the finishes and um, just everything's really good. Um, yeah, and I'm also in the camp of this match is better than the WrestleMania 15 match, mm-hmm. but I didn't know like. I guess I, I didn't remember how really good this matchup is. So right. uh, now that I have my bar set for what this match is, once we do go back and get to the 98-99 season, I'm looking forward even more now to watching uh, Austin Rock. So to quickly refresh, we take my grade, Marcus's grade, we average them out. So let's take that Xbox Triple H match. I have a three, you have a two and a half, averages to 275. We consider replacement level to be a 
two and a half match grade. And this whole show is about being above or below replacement level, right? So for us, two and a half is a perfectly average acceptable match. So we just kind of go up or down from that. So our average would be 2.75. If an average match was two and a half, it's a quarter star more, it gets a quarter point. We add, we add those all up, both pluses and minuses, to give us a total <clears throat> match grade score. So all of the matches here net out to a 0.25 war on this night, which is not bad for this era. <laughs> like it's in the positives at least. Um, but if you look at the grades, our averages outside of the main event and that Shamrock match, they're all pretty much like two and a quarter to two and three quarters. Like that's exactly where this card rests. And that pretty much nets out to an even showing. So just slightly above replacement level as in ring. Yeah. Kind of like a, a good special teams, uh, you know, team or, uh, I guess yeah, good special teams team for uh for football. Like just don't lose the game. Uh the ma- the matches here carry their weight. They're not going to be the downfall of the show, I don't think. So we'll mm-hmm. see how all the other intangible intangibles shake out. Yeah, and those intangibles will come via categories that we're gonna break down. So we get pluses and minuses to each category. Build commentary atmosphere notable moments and importance match grades card structure rewatchability and then all-time matches to be an all-time match both marcus and i had to grade it as a 4.25 and above to be an all-time bad match we both had to grade it 0.75 and below if either of those hit they'll get a plus or minus there so think of the most baseline stuff on each show as being replacement level if we felt something was worth a note above, we give a plus. Something below, we give a minus. And then we're going to net all that out to give us our total score. So let's look at our pluses for build. Uh, we had Rock and Austin fighting over the stolen belt coming off of Mania, which is a, a really good build coming into this. Uh, Shamrock's goal was to basically destroy Undertaker's leg and break him in half after uh, Ryan Shamrock was abducted. Al Snow's chase for the hardcore title, which had been playing out for most of the year so far. Uh, Outlaws and Jarrett versus, I'm sorry, Outlaws with Jarrett and Owen fight, feuding for the number one contenders. And then Triple H and X-Pac kind of feuding over the DX breakup and defection to the corporation of Mania. So a lot of good build coming into the show, really. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, and we knew that was going to be a strength of the season heading in. Uh, the reputation that uh, Vince Russo does have uh, for positive is there seems to be something for everyone, mm-hmm. but some of that story count, storytelling can get a little cross sometimes. Uh, as far as the minuses heading into this show, there seems to be nothing for the Intercontinental title, as you talked about and rock Austin, you have these two all-time Titans of the industry, uh, but their feud is centering around uh, family dynamic drama between Shane and Vince. Right. Yeah, that's a big part of the feud that wasn't uh, when it wasn't about the belts and them beating the share of each other. It was about, yeah, Vince and Shane's power struggle, um, who's going to lead the corporation and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. and then Vince, you know, a lot of this, too, involves Stephanie and The Undertaker and the ministry. Vince is starting to trend face a little bit. Shane's trying to push him out. A little succession action going on. Uh, Shane trying to take over the corporation. So, um that was definitely a minus going in. So that all nets out to a total for three for build. So uh, the pluses minus the minuses gives us three total. All right. Commentary. I'm curious because, you know, this was a category that really hurt 11, 12. Uh, it was a lot of cold nonsense and King and all that shit. And that dragged some of those big shows down at 11, 12. I think we might see the opposite effect here where I think the commentary with, I know King looking, you know, historically, 
has been around so much longer that past his prime that people really started to get turned off and sick of him. But I think here, like this is probably, I think we're going to see his, the beginning of his erosion a little bit, but his peak is definitely like 97, 98, 99 and him and JR in 99 completely locked in. So I think they're going to carry a lot of these shows and you see it here already with the number of points we give on the plus, like they're working their asses off to tell the share mock taker story in a believable way. They really put a lot of hype onto triple H X Pac and bringing the sense of danger around Xbox neck for triple H working for the pedigree, uh, a tremendous call in the main event, a great line which says, Oh yeah, there's never any violence in Miami. You were talking about the type of match. <laughs> I have and uh, just on point all night, we gave him a point for just telling the stories of the matches, which they just do an excellent job of throughout the season. Yeah, we'll see as the season goes on. Like, is this truly the prime for King and Jr.? Because uh, while they are going to go on for many, many years, I think this is their start of their third year together uh, as a solo. As uh, I guess it's just those two. Um, you know, without Vince, uh, mm-hmm. I think that starts in the end of '97, roughly. Um, yeah. But King has been doing commentary um, primarily since '93, '94. So like, this yeah. is. Kind of a long time for him to be holding that chair down. Um, the minus is for Don't forget, too, uh, like, JR just come back from the Bell's mm-hmm. Palsy. Uh, Mania was, maybe we did, like, the main event or whatever. So this is really his first pay-per-view back as well. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, for minuses for the team tonight, they give an overall lack of magnitude to their Incontinental title match. You can hear them. Just the tone, like, definitely shifts down. It seems like they're kind of uh, taking a break. On the clock there. And then uh, we'll probably get this a few times throughout the season, unfortunately. But uh, big red R word quote uh, from King, except mm-hmm. it's the uh, other R word. Um, you know, wrong then, wrong now. So we're we're still going to dig it, even though it's the Attitude Era. Yeah, and we don't... I will say we don't hold back on some of that stuff. Yes, some of it fit the time in the era, but we are going to ding, uh, I think, for this type of stuff here for sure. So, yes, we had a lot of positive notes there. We had a few negatives, though, so that's going to bring us to a one total on commentary. Um, Yeah, one total. Okay, Atmosphere, uh, great dramatic opening video package to get the show going. I'll always give a point for that brood entrance, which is just fantastic. Uh, the crowd was really into Al Snow when he came out, so we give a point for that. Uh, they were popped hard for all the entrances. Super hot for Kane. Uh, the entrances for Shamrock Taker, the intensity in the arena was really good. And then just molten for that whole main event, everything to do with it. Yeah, for the minuses for Atmosphere. Uh, we got a basic set and look, which is not something I would have expected uh, for the Attitude Era, at least for this first show of the season. Um, tough uh, tough for the crowd to stay engaged uh, for the hardcore match. A lot of it was outside, and it's only the second match of the pay-per-view proper. So it seems a little early to already be dipping out uh, outside of the ring. And the crowd is dead for Taker and Shamrock. Tough to blame them, like, aside from it just being, you know, overall a bad match. Um, they hadn't really seen anything like that before. So how do you react to, you know, a, basically a grappling contest for 20 minutes? Mm-hmm. All right. So we got our first big, uh, number of the night though. That's a plus four on atmosphere. So again, I think we're going to see a big trend toward stuff like atmosphere carrying these shows because the crowds are so into everything going on. Notable moments also going to be a big one here in 99, 2000. 
Al Snow finally wins and gets his hardcore title after chasing it. So that's a point. Give a point for Deborah's insane bikini. Uh, will not be the last time I'm sure this season we give Deborah <laughs> a point. We did give a point for JR's first show back in the booth post Bell's palsy. Uh, the uh, boiler room brawl gets a point because there's so few of those. And one that we didn't talk about earlier on the Coliseum video, Mick Foley does a like tour after the match where he like walks you through the, the boiler room and he's like blood everywhere. It was really cool uh, video exclusive that they worked in here. Yeah, he's he's basically taking you through like the scene of the crime, but as a survivor, um, is is really cool uh, to get a little bit of glimpse inside of his genius mind uh, as he guides you through that. For the minuses, uh, <laughs> well, actually, yeah, comment- we have a few more okay. points. I just sorry. your comments on that. No, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, we we kick off Triple H's super push. It's a big one here. Oh yeah. Undertaker dabbling in the MMA style work. Uh, Vince trending as a face with Shane becoming the heel. Where to Stephanie, which we didn't talk about, but this has a very memorable ending to this pay-per-view where Vince gets baited to the ring in the main event and Stephanie, he puts Stephanie in a limo. And then at the end of the show, the limo, you know, Stephanie says, let's get going. The limo uh, driver exposes himself to be the undertaker and does the evil where to Stephanie <laughs> drives off <laughs> and she screams for dad. Um, so that's a very memorable moment. And then all of the classic rock spots in the main event were notable. He does the headset trash talk, the pit, point of view stunner with the camera and then the rock bottom of the table so you get all of the rocks repertoire here uh in his final days as a heel yeah, so that'll do it for the glad that wasn't it uh, because yeah a lot of good uh moments and important stuff going on there for the minuses though uh we have the uh intercontinental title division has really devolved uh mm-hmm. jared and owen lose and the weird Triple H music, the awkward oh, so heel style, um, and even in his his ring work, which is supposed to be like his calling caller at this mm-hmm. time, uh, you can hear him very loudly asking the ref, what's the time? And if you just listen, like you can just hear him. He's just he's just loud. He's he's mm-hmm. uh, I don't I don't even know. It's just he's he's just so blah and obvious it's it's just not a good look and i i thought overall um, especially in the back end of the show and given the position that they were put in to go out there and steal the show um he really held things down it's a real struggle boss for him on this night across the board the weird music was always like just catches me off guard like they didn't know they just didn't know what they wanted him to be it's like they turned him before they had a feel for what mm. this character was going to be you know like is he just going to go back to being working the blue blood style is he gonna work a dx style is he gonna do this new main event heel style like there's just so many open questions about what he's gonna be and you see that right here out of the gate with the music and everything else like they just weren't sure exactly what to make him now that said there was still a ton of memorable moments and that's a plus six in that category so <clears throat> that won't be the last time i'm sure that moments is that high all right we talked about match grades we gave a 0.25 card structure we give a point for starting the show with the brood entrance even though that match may not have been the best choice the brood entrance always gets a big pop and the crowd get into it for that uh good through line focusing on the issues of the ministry throughout this show that's kind of the one you know trend that we talk about as the pay-per-view goes along and then the build to the big matches like they kind of have the undercard stuff early and that seems to be a trend in the season as well 
where they really do like the big boxing card setup where they have the undercard and then they build all the way up to the big stuff. Yeah. And for the minuses, uh, we have the opener going a bit long given the dynamics and who's involved. Um, and multiple matches have parts that occur, occur, uh, occur outside of the arena. Um, it's just tough to keep the crowd engaged and the focal point is supposed to be the ring. And just several times throughout the night, Mm -hmm. uh, we have the boiler room brawl, we have the hardcore match. Um, but you know, those all take up time and it's just time away from what is supposed to be the center of the action. Right. Okay. So that gives us a plus one. Uh, we didn't have anything for rewatchability. Uh, rewatchability to us is more around like moments and matches that don't count as all time. So maybe there's like a cool spot or a cool match that wasn't like a classic, but worth rewatching. Uh, we didn't want to double dip on these points because all time matches does have one tonight. And that is Austin versus rock uh, plus one. Marcus and I both went four to five uh, take or share rock uh, was spared from an all time bad because we did not, uh, uh, I did not go below uh, one there. I didn't go to the point seven five. So, Saved by the skin of its uh, te- teeth. What is that? Hair, hair, no chin, chin, chin. Skin of your teeth. But yeah, uh, that one nearly avoided disaster. So that's a plus one there. And that gives us a total score of 16.25, which if you've been following, like that's a damn good score that immediately makes it our fourth best show that we've covered. Wow. Uh, right below Survivor Series 11, ahead of WrestleMania 28 ahead of uh, Capital Punishment 11, which we liked. So, again, I think we're seeing it right out of the gate. These shows, because of the moments and the atmosphere and the commentary and the build, like, are going to carry these quite a ways. Yeah, um, I guess my takeaway is a lot more goes into a good show other than just the matches in the ring. Uh, Like you said, there is a lot of stuff happening. The commentary is, you know, for the most part, enjoyable to listen to. They help carry the stories they get you engaged they keep you engaged they get you looking forward to what's to come later the crowd is super hot um and just stuff is happening that seems to be consequential uh it makes you want to watch you know the the next raw and and the next pay-per-view so um high score but um i feel like the science uh the science is right with, with this one uh trust the process all right, well, we'll see where 99 continues to net out with our next show. Before we get to that, though, real quick, a North-South Connection podcast network bringing you great content literally each and every day, uh, starting with our new Pod Blast series, Cronoso, which is breaking down every Dirty F pay-per-view match in history, match by match. Different voice every day brings you a match. It's a quick hit, 10 minutes or less. Check that out, of course, every morning. That's hitting Plus all of your favorite shows, your evergreen content, where we do all kinds of nerd dives like we do on this show here. Whether it's into ECW's uh, hottest era in the mid-90s, whether it's uh, TNA, whether it's the Ruthless Aggressive era, building lists, breaking down every Royal Rumble appearance, getting into comics, detail uh, on random, you know, potpourri topics. All kinds of really good stuff on the North-South Connection podcast network. Be sure to check it out. Uh, subscribe on any podcatcher app and follow us on social media, facebook.com slash North South connection. Marcus, anything you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, myself and not the tool man, Tim Taylor. We do our own podcast 
over on the soon to be named network we're on a bit of a brief hiatus right now but we will be back up and running probably a little bit after wrestlemania no solid timetable on it but um we do have a back catalog of great podcasts it is called final wrestling place where we take the nouns professional wrestling and we put them into either the good place or the bad place uh, with arbitrary red points and green points uh determining determining their destiny um but that is it for me All right, let's get to our second show of the night here, and that is No Mercy 1999, not the one you may be thinking of. This is the UK version, so it's our first UK-only pay-per-view. This aired on May 16th, 1999 from Manchester, England. Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler made the trek over across the pond to call the show. We are pretty much days from... Over the edge, right? Because that occurs on May 23rd, so a week before Over the Edge. So since we're not covering that show, this kind of steps in as a proxy to the May show. And I'm sure it's one that not many have seen. I mean, I honestly think this might have been the first time I've ever watched it. I, I've i only gone back and watched it like one other time just because I made it a point to go check out all the UK shows that I didn't have access to. Um, But... This is pretty much like I've only done one rewatch of it, so it's pretty much all, uh, you know, new and fresh to me. All right, well, let's dive in. Uh, were there any dark matches? It doesn't look like it. Yeah, I don't see any dark matches listed, so we will start with the uh, opening contest as Tiger Ali Singh is going to defeat Gilberg. That match is going to go roughly about a minute. I went one. What'd you feel? <laughs> I just went three quarters of a star. Um, this is the sing. This is like the second go around with this guy, right? Like, did, hadn't he already tried? Yeah, '97 is when they did like the Kuwaiti Cup, and he popped up on Raw. Yeah. And then he vanished, and then he came back. Yeah, and I feel Bob like Boo. he's. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he sneaks in in like late '98. And think then so. he's I think it's when he's with Babu. Okay. And he like he does the DiBiase gimmick where he's like paying people to do shit. Yeah. Um and then I think he's around straight through. He ends up leaving around after this again, so I think is what you're thinking of. And, and then he comes back as a manager in late 2000. Yes. So he and got three runs. Yeah, and then he's gone. Um he does some developmental stuff. And then he ends up having to retire in a one due to concussions. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, weird career. Of course, his dad is Tiger Jeet Singh. And, uh, you know, they signed him to see if he'd be like a big deal in Canada and Europe, et cetera, UK. So I think that's why they showcase him on the UK pay-per-views generally. Because uh, this was the, the first time he, he was already been on one of the UK pay-per-views before this. So definitely something they seem to do. Uh, Gilberg, by this point, is just kind of a, more of a joke. Like, it was funny when he debuted in late 98. Um, and now he's kind of just sticking around to mock Goldberg, I guess. And um, I think he's – is he still light heavyweight champion at this point? That Yeah, I think so, right? Uh, does, does he lose – yeah, he beats Christian, right? That was like late 98, I think. 
I think or so. Yeah. Or, early ninety nine. Something like that. And I think that. he holds it all the way until early two thousand. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> I think he's gone the whole time. And then he like comes back to do it. Wow, incredible run. Yeah. So I think he's lightweight champion here, but he loses to to the tiger, man. Oh man. Um off to a hot start. Uh, we get a run back basically of the six man match from uh, Backlash, but it mm-hmm. has a small change up uh, as Viscera is going to be joining Bradshaw and Farouk, and they're going to take on Edge, Christian, and Gangrel. Uh, the ministry is going to pick up the win here. I went 2.75. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Is Viscera from Midian an upgrade? Probably, right? So uh, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah. It pretty much washes out. Brood loses again. I went 275 again. To me, it was pretty much on par with what we saw at Backlash from them. Yeah, um, just just like another slightly above solid matchup. There is there is really not too much to write home about. Uh, our next match is Steve Blackman defeating Draws. I went two. I went two as well. Just a random match kind of thrown together. I think Blackman's a heel here. Draws is a heel, so... I think it's just yep. like, all right, who made the trip? Who's left? Put him out there yeah. kind of match. Yep. Two guys kind of going nowhere. Draws has really been quite aimless since the LOD stuff ended around Mania, uh, where he pushed Hawk off the tight draw and all that. Um, so really, he's just kind of draws in the plaid shorts, right? Again, I think he's even out of the LOD tight. So. Uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, he's not in that velvet like material yet. Like he makes a video game, WrestleMania 2000. I think he's in like that. Uh, maybe he's material. in that. He might be that here. Um, I think he is. Yeah, time. because he had the plaid, and then he went to the LOD gear, and then he's out of that now. So yeah, he must be in the velvet now. Okay. Um. And he, has he already lost? Uh, uh, was it Vic Grimes? Like, is that? Oh yeah. That, all I that's think already that's gone? gone. Okay. Because Prince Albert's about to debut soon. I believe. Man, okay. Yeah, Grimes, that was, uh, I think that was 98, because that was during the whole pusher stuff, right? It was like his drug dealer. Yeah. And he was trying to, and he was keeping anim, uh, keeping Hawk high, basically, right? To take his spot. Wow. No, actually, no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. That's later. It's later. That, that is the, the gimmick, though, with the LOD. He's, he's yeah. Hawk's enabler, basically. Because he wants to take a spot. Then they end that. And he hooks up with Albert. And Key. Who's Grimes. Who'll be. Draws as a dealer. Well I guess we'll see if we see any of. Uh, Key gracing our screens anytime soon. Uh, but we both mm-hmm. went to there. Uh, our next match. We have Kane defeating Midian. I like this a bit more than you. I went two. Yeah, uh, I went one and a half. I mean, it's Kane and Midian. <laughs> like it's kind of is what it is. Now, I will say this: like Kane, '99 is one of Kane's best years. Like, really dig him, and we'll see that play out. He's in awesome shape. He's super over. He's really kind of branching out on his own for the first time. If you think about him since his debut, it's pretty much always been tied to Taker one way or the other. Yeah. And he's finally kind of doing his own thing here now. And he seems energized by it. I've just never been a big fan of the Midian, like, during this run at all. Like, he was, like, an instant snooze for me whenever he'd show up during this time period. So, yeah, Kane Midian. 
I would have been better off, I, I think, having uh, Midian in the six man still and putting Kane and Viss, like just oh. for the power display. That would li- probably been a better way to go about this, but. I like that a lot more. Um, I mean, this is under five minutes, so it's fine. But it's a DQ as well. It's like, what are we doing? Like, it's pin Midian. Like, why are we protecting Midian? Yeah, pin Midian and then do business with Kane. Uh, we are going to see a bit of a through line through the night, so like the DQ is going to make sense. But um, yeah, just just beat Midian. Um, not that big of a deal. Uh, next up, we have Tori taking on Nicole Bass. Nicole Bass is going to pick up the win. I went zero. Yeah, no bueno here. I went zero as well, which is this our first double dud? Do we go double dud on Taker Taker? Uh, no, you gave it a one. <laughs> give it a one. Okay. <laughs> I, it. Uh, I think it's our first double dud. I don't think we've had one yet. So this is, uh, I guess, ostensibly our worst match that we've covered together so far. Uh, but it's really not much. I mean, it's it's 27 seconds. You and I are squash fans, but mm-hmm. this was like not even a good squash. And this is really it for Nicole Bass because we're not going to watch over the edge where she does a mixed tag and then she's gone. Um, you know, it sucks. Like she was treated like shit, had kind of a tough run. Um, but this is just like not working. No, not at all. And. Uh, this is like a, a fault of Russo getting people in the ring who don't really belong in the ring yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and Tori was very, you know, I guess given the standards at the time, Tori is very capable. Um, right. But like, she's, you know, in no like condition really to carry um, Nicole Bass to anything close to passable, even in a squash setting. Um, mm-hmm. So double dud is deserved. Uh, we are going to get an uptick in match quality, though, as X-Pac is going to uh, lose to Shane McMahon. The European title is going to be on the line here. I went three. Uh, I went 275. I, I liked it a little below their Mania match, which is great. Uh, but this uh, is kind of the forgotten rematch with these guys, so it's kind of mm-hmm. cool that it was nestled in here. But, no, it was fun. Uh, I, I like Shane during this time period, and X-Pac to me is one of 99's best workers, as we'll talk about as we go forward. Um, but no, I dug this. It was a cool little treat on the show. And yeah, it shows you, like, and as we'll see going forward, too, like, they brought a lot of stars over for this show. Yeah, um, they've got a lot of stars over. They're definitely there to push, like, the main TV storyline that's going on. Um, and like you said, like, it's a great rematch, X-Pac and, and Shane running it back from Mania. Uh, these two always had awesome chemistry, I thought, whether it's just like their backstage stuff, uh, or promos, promo work or in ring stuff. Um, these two just clicked and not surprising, given, you know, Xbox reputation uh, for really just being able to go out and have a great match with anybody. Unless we're talking about 1999 Triple H. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. OK, me too. Next up, next up, we've got uh Kind of like a special attraction match is what it felt like. Uh, more stars coming out. Mankind is going to lose to Billy Gunn. I went three. I went three as well. This was surprisingly feisty. Uh, and I guess this is kind of the low-key start of the Billy Gunn solo push that we're about to embark yeah. on. It's, uh, it's a good little match, actually. It was surprising to me. I was expecting it to be kind of plotting. Uh, in, you know, obviously love Mick Foley, one of my all-time favorites, but... You know, Mankind in May of 99 is not in the best shape. And in fact, like, he's gone soon for the knee injury and out for the whole summer. So this is, like, right at the tail end for him before he goes out on the shelf. And he does okay. This was a fun little match. 
Yeah, and this could be a, a theme for the season as we go along, and that is Mick Foley knowing exactly what match to give people to get the most out of them. Uh-huh. And he really does get a lot out of Billy Gunn here. It's not like you have to pull teeth with Billy Gunn. Like he is one of the most athletic wrestlers that they've ever had. Um, and he just looks like what you want a WWF superstar to look like. Um, but yeah, this is a really fun and feisty matchup, like you said. I can and, see why they probably watched this and got excited for what they were about to embark. Yeah, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, especially just given Foley's reputation is I guess he's going to earn as he goes on. Um, but even before this, like, you know, he gets a lot out of Triple H in 97. Uh, the stuff with Undertaker, like, he really pulled Undertaker up to, like, really having great matches. Um, you know, and I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot more in there that I'm forgetting. Uh, but that's going to take us to our main event of the evening as Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to retain the WWF Championship in a triple threat match, defeating the Undertaker and Triple H. I went 3.25 on this, JT. What about you? Three and a half. Uh, I mean, again, like they really brought the star power over. This is a big time match of the UK pay-per-view. Austin, Taker, Triple H. It's Triple H's first foray really into the main event title picture. And Taker and Austin are about to fight a week later at Over the Edge for the title. So lots going on here. And I thought the crowd was super into it as a hot main event and uh, quite enjoyable. Definitely probably the uh, obviously the best match on the show and, and one of the highlights of the stretch. Yeah, and it really pays off, um, I think, in the finish of the match. Like, we get X-Pac, and I think there's a Kane run into Like, everybody who was wronged by the corporate ministry earlier on basically comes out to, like, make it right. Mm-hmm. And just, like, it really does, I think, tie everything up really neat. So it feels like, while this is a pay-per-view, it also gives the UK audience a bit of that TV feel because they're not going over there for a week, you know, TV at this point yet, I don't think. Um so it gives you like that feeling of, okay, this is what we're missing out, uh, you know, by not having WWF come here for, for Monday night raw. Um, I really liked everything about this. Um, so a nice way to wrap up the show. That's said, even though we had a couple of good matches in here, we had some stinkers and the average, uh, netted out to a total war of minus three. So that's Ooh. probably gonna hurt the total score. I'm sure. But when we get into our categories, uh, let's look at the build kind of a tough one here because they weren't really building to this show per se so we're just going to kind of talk about what was going on in general and how it you know worked its way into the show so obviously the formation of the corporate ministry had happened right before this so that's playing out as this is going on the uh, split of the brood uh kind of you know continues on here as well starting to see the fractures with them shane and x-pac feuding over the european title still and then the uh, Sable Tory stalker angle playing out here. Nicole Bass uh, destroying Tory, and a very well-developed main event. When you look at it, uh, Triple H working his way up and kind of weaseling his way in thanks to the corporate ministry and Taker and Austin prepping for over the edge. So they're in a good spot coming into that match. So some decent little build given the show really wasn't something to be focused on. No, and only a few minuses for the build. Uh, we've got aimless sing, uh, the more they keep investing in him, the more his stock just keeps plummeting. We've got Blackman, Blackman and Draws. Like you said, just two guys that got thrown out there. They seem pretty aimless at this point. And the Union, which is kind of supposed to be like the super faction to compete uh-huh. with the corporate ministry, already feels dead and like a thing of the past. Um, I Even I don't remember like that having much of a shelf life or impact at all. Yeah, none. I mean, none. They make a big deal. We talk about a backlash where a test wouldn't be long. I mean, he turns, so it's test, Foley, 
Big Show and God, who's oh, Shamrock. And it, the, the union stood for something, right? <laughs> Some stupid friggin' acronym um, that they had in there, but yeah. it's, it really goes nowhere. They have the one moment on pay-per-view, I mean, on Raw, where they all stand together with, like, the two-by-fours or whatever. And <laughs> then the, at Over the Edge, uh, they do have a, their only eight-man match against the corporate ministry. So it kind of, um, I guess, something, at least on pay-per-view. It stands for Union of People You Ought to Respect, Son, or Up Yours, <laughs> um, also, a.k.a. the Union. So here are the actual members, according to Wikipedia, at various times, which I do not remember this at all. It says Mr. McMahon mm-hmm. was the leader. The Rock was in it in late 98. Oh, this is the corporation. Not the, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm looking at him like, when the fuck was the Rock at the union? That's the corporation. The union is just part of this article. So anyway, there's the union. Uh, it pretty much dies when Foley gets hurt on May 31st Raw and he goes out. So quietly disbands from there. So, yeah, we got, what, Shamrock, Big Show, Test, Mankind, and Vince is kind of, I guess, adjacent uh, union member. Yeah, it's a super but, faction that just yeah. that never does a thing. All right, commentary. Uh, King has a funny dig. Uh, basically, it's Goldberg and Gilbert are the same guy, <laughs> which is funny. Uh, we gave two <laughs> points for, for them being locked in on all the stories again. They're really, really good. And uh, JR goes in on Kane needing surgery to talk again to kind of start to explain why he's starting to talk now, finally, as a character. Uh, yeah, uh, we're going to ding them for, of course, the Gilbert Goldberg frequent uh, mix ups there. Uh, JR saying Blackman has magical feet. Seems like something <laughs> Tony Atlas might be interested in. <laughs> and uh, King's commentary during the women's match, as brief as it is, um, still yeah. really took away from. Uh, the entire segment. The uh, yeah, the so Jr. That those two are tied together. Jr. calls Gilbert Goldberg, and then King says, "Well, they're basically the same anyway." So, uh, <laughs> which was funny. So that's a plus one on commentary for atmosphere. I give it. We give a point for the awesome corporate ministry theme and entrance. One of the best mashup themes they ever did. Uh, really good heat on Shane from the crowd. Uh, Gilbert gets a good pop. You get the brood entrance, which is great. Uh, the crowd is fully engaged, which helps with some of these other me- matches that in another town probably would have not had the same result. So, similar like the six man, like we just talked about a backlash here. It gets a bigger pop. Even shit like Tiger Lee Singh, you know, does OK. Uh, big, big pop for Foley when he comes out. The crowd is super yeah. hot for X-Pac and then just insane for the main event. So a lot of big points on atmosphere. It's a really good UK crowd. Yeah, as far as the minuses. Even though they are over in the UK, there's not much to the set um, or the look of the actual arena itself outside of the um, the Union Jack WWF logo. Um, the crowd is pretty checked out for Blackman and Draws. They really get the uh, air horns going in that match. And Foley's promo bombs with uh, you know some porn and soccer uh, slash footy uh, <laughs> oh, jokes. Oh, yeah, that was terrible. So, yeah, not, not his best work. That one should have stayed in uh, promo land. Yeah, yeah, not good. Uh, but that's a big plus five for atmosphere. So the UK crowd brings the heat and they save the show a bit from being an all-timer on the bad side for us. All right, notable moments. Obviously not going to be a ton, given it wasn't like a big-time show. Uh, Shane McMahon super pushes the head heel. Uh, the promotion is in full effect. He's all over the show, up and down, uh, constantly on screen. You could tell they were really trying to get him over as the top dog. Uh, my... <laughs> 
this is what I put in here, and uh, I'm hoping you agree with me, but I'm a big mark for the Steve Blackman themes, both of them, and we get them uh, right here together. We get the old song in a video package, or maybe it was the new song, I think, in a video package, and then his old one for the entrance. And it was just a dream scenario for me to hear both of those songs because I can never pick yes. which one I like more. They're both amazing. Yeah, I, I think I lean towards the one in like 2000 because you do get the, uh, you know, all the gimmicks with the light up nunchucks and and all that good stuff. But yeah, this one, this one's not too far behind. Uh, two God tier entrance themes. And then the yeah, so you need both of those there. Kane's super face run in its early days was kind of neat here. The first pay per view match for Tori gave a point for that, notable. And Triple H's first world title shot in pay per view, so kind of comes on this hidden little show here. Yeah, and for the minuses, we have all-time bad Sing promo um, in lack of command over the King's English, as uh, Vince would say, with uh, such quotes as, I'm more richer. Uh, (laughs) There's a lot there if you want to go back and check out that promo. It's really bad. Um, The Brood losing, uh, it's really bad booking considering they're supposed to be these hot baby faces now rolling off of the corporate ministry. Yeah. we got uh, draws. Uh, I, you know, I I don't remember too much about the match, but you know, he he doesn't look good in that match with Blackman. Uh, mm-hmm. Protecting Midian, as we said. Uh, you know, just take like just have him take the loss. Uh, why are we protecting Midian? Right, you can still do the attack after, but just have yeah. Kane go strong. <laughs> I'm about to start this big push for him. Yeah, and and the crowd is definitely hot for Kane. They should have called an audible there. Um, and Gun and Foley, uh, they botched the uh, bell ring and finish there. Yes, yep. Which is uh, kind of hurt. What was a really good match uh, toward the end. So that actually nets mm-hmm. out to a zero for moments, which I think may be rare for ninety nine two thousand. So uh, we'll see. We said match grades is a negative three. Card structure. Uh, Kane was a good choice to get the crowd back awake after the match before it. And then uh, the backstage attack on Foley before his match was good to set up the match with Billy Gunn to work him over. And then just a massive main event to close out the show. Putting that much star power here was going to blow the UK up. So, uh, Yeah. And uh, as far as card structure for the minuses, uh, long opening promo. Again, they're trying to give them a bit of that TV feel. Um, but mm-hmm. it went a little bit too long, I think. Um, they should have you know, opened up with a hot match. Uh, the crowd does not care for Sing at all, and that's definitely not opening up with a hot match. <laughs> um, just a really, really tough match to to have open. Uh, lots of vignettes and promos in place of actual interviews. I think, I think like giving them those live promos, I think would have added to the TV feel that they were trying to give. Um, we got a bait and switch with Sable, and uh, one appearance too many, I think, for Shane McMahon on this evening. Yeah, he was on a lot. I mean, when we say a lot, it had to be like nine or ten times. It felt like it's like every match almost he's out there doing something. So they were in just hyperdrive push for Shane. Uh, negative two overall for car structure. Rewatchability. <laughs> we gave a point for the Blackman hype package with the theme, which was I could rewatch that video over <laughs> and over. And just the insanity at the main event, like you said, with everyone coming out to, uh, you know, take on the corporate ministry was really cool. Uh, no negative, so that gives a two for rewatchability. Uh, we do have a negative all-time match uh, with Bass and Tori. We both give that zero, so minus one. And that gives us a total war score of four, Marcus, which puts it pretty low down here mm-hmm. for the bottom of the barrel. 
It's not a surprise. I think most of 99 is going to represent well uh, for us, but this is one that was, you know, just it lacks the key tenets, which is, you know, build and no- moments. Like, that's what's going to naturally lack on these shows. So we'll see how the UK shows do overall, but it's going to really have to deliver um, match-wise match to really get it done. Yeah, and this just wasn't set up for that. But, you know, for, like, it could have finished a lot worse. Um, there are definitely things that, you know, could have under-delivered on this show. And really, like, we got a couple matches that save it. We got a few moments to save it, especially considering that it's a it's a UK show. So I think a four is, like, even though while it is low, I would consider it a mild success. Yeah, I think so. Um, really, it's the, I mean, the atmosphere carries it for sure. And um, the match grades really hurt it. So those kind of cancel out, and then the rest is just kind of there. So, yeah. uh, But that does put it toward the bottom. Why don't we give our full uh, pay-per-view ranks here to wrap the show up? Uh, you want to go bottom up? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Uh, All right, so we have 20, just really quick, we have uh, 20 shows so far. So this is actually our 20th one. All right. Uh, so I will start off with Over the Limit 2011. That checked in with a score of minus nine. Oof. <laughs> that really set a floor for us. Night <laughs> uh, of Champions 11 with a minus three is next. WrestleMania 11 with a minus 0.75. Then Elimination Chamber 2011 with a 2.75. No Mercy 1999. I'm sorry, UK. that was uh, Chamber 12. Chamber 12. Yeah, uh, No Mercy at 1999 from the UK is going to uh, fit in here with a four. So it's our fifth from the bottom show. That's where that one finishes. Rumble 95 right above it with a five and a half. TLC 2011 with a 6.25. Royal Rumble 2012 with a 6.5. King of the Ring in 1994. How much does that guy weigh with a 6.5? Survivor Series 94 is next with a 7.75. Extreme Rules 2011 with an 8.75. SummerSlam 94 with a 9. Vengeance 2011 with a 9.5. Hell on a Cell 2011 with 11.5. Capital Punishment 2011, 13.75. WrestleMania 28 with a 14.5. Backlash 1999 finishing in the top here with a 16.25. Yep, that's in it. Fourth place. Now our top three, Survivor Series 2011, 18.75. SummerSlam 2011, excuse me, The SummerSlam 2011 (laughs) with a score of 23. And then our number one show, still hanging on, Money in the Bank 2011 with a 28.75. So, look, strong debut for 99 with Backlash hitting the top four. We will see if anything from this year can challenge Money in the Bank 11. I think... I would have said coming off of that show when we did that one a few episodes ago, I would have said, like, okay, that's our ceiling. We're probably not going to really get close. But after going through Backlash, I think it's actually more wide open than we thought. I think stuff like 90, stuff like 99 or maybe eventually 97, like shows that have a lot of big moments and build are going to do better than I initially realized. So I think the top spot is actually much more wide open than I did, you know, a few weeks ago. Yeah, I think if you get a show that kind of pitches a perfect game uh, where everything just comes together, the storytelling is on point, uh, you get lots of stuff happening, you get commentary that doesn't take away from the show and even adds to the show, there's lots of elements there 
Um, lots of room for things to go wrong, to get dinged, but also a lot of chances for things to go right and to get recognized um, and to make up a lot of ground where maybe some other categories lack. All right. So that'll do it for us here. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. We'll continue to move through 2000. I'm sorry, through 1999. We will touch on King of the Ring and Fully Loaded. So it's a pretty good pairing there. As we continue to work through season three, remember to continue to live your life above replacement level. Talk to you in a couple weeks.